Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is August the 17th. And our chapter for today is the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Now, I will introduce John in the next couple of podcasts, but what I want to do, because this chapter is so full, is I want to get right into the text with you today. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I'm going to stop there and say that, as you well remember, I've taught you at the beginning of these Gospels that each Gospel has its own particular emphasis. The Gospel of Matthew is the Gospel of the King and the Kingdom, and it presents Jesus as the Sovereign of the universe, Sovereign of the earth, the King of the Jews, and the King of the universe. He is spoken of as King more than any other He is tied to David more than any other gospel. And so when we come to Mark, there is not a birth announcement. There is not a visit from the Magi as a toddler. There is not the eternal significance of John, but it is rapid obedience, beginning at the baptism, the ministry of Jesus. The gospel of Luke deals with his humanity and deals with his birth, and the sacredness of all that he did in obedience to his Father as the God-man. But now we come to the Gospel of John, and we don't start with a birth story. We don't start with a baptism. We do not start with a visit of the Magi. No, we go back into eternity, where God alone exists. And now in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, the Logos is a concept that is both Jewish and Greek. And as you study it, you will see that Logos is looked upon by the Greeks and the Jews in a different way. We don't have time to cover that theologically, but I do want you to know that in both instances, it is deity that is in mind. And so the Logos is this concept of the great I am in the Jewish thought. There is no doubt that the word has to do with everything that has meaning. It is wholeness. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Now, the word has not been identified except that the word is divine. The word is God. The word is deity. And he is the creator. He's the designer. He is the one that is sovereign above all. And John is setting the case that this word, this logos, was the source of life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness of sin, of outer darkness, cannot comprehend him, cannot hold him down, cannot get a hold of him. 
Then it goes on to talk about John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was Eonus, John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He, that is Messiah, he, the word, he, this creator, was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But listen to this. But as many as received him that accepted him that relied on him, that looked to him, to them he gave the right. That is the word for authority, prerogative, power. It's translated here, right. He gave them the prerogative to become the children of God. Now, the word children is not weos, which is the word for a mature son. No, this is the word for born ones, for those little babes. It's a word of relationship, whereas weos stresses the maturity, the sonship aspect, the uh, positional aspect. This stresses relationship because it's the word for somebody that's born into a particular family, a, a, a child. And if, But as many as received him, to them gave he the right, the authority, the power, the exousia, to become the children of God, even to those who trust in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. In other words, they were born again. They were born not of blood, not of DNA, nor of the will of the flesh. It wasn't something someone came up with, nor the will of man, but of God. And verse 14 says that this word, this eternal word who made everything and the one whom without nothing would be in existence, the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. Now, the word dwelt is the word tabernacle. It's the word to dwell as a sojourner for a period of time. Now, the word became flesh is the Latin word incarnate, and that's where we talk about the incarnation. We're talking about God becoming flesh, God becoming a real man. And the word, and that's identified, we will find out who he is. This word, this creator of heaven and earth, the creator of everything that there is, the one who started everything, the one who had no beginning, has no end, the one who is the eternal I am, the one who always has been, always will be. He is the eternal one, this word became flesh, and he tabernacled among us. And we, John said, beheld his glory. We stared at him. We gawked at him. We were fascinated with him. We were enthralled by him. And his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, the word only begotten is the same phrase that is used in John 3.16. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes, trusts in him, or their lives would never be ruined. This is what the text says. It says perish, and that's the one that we've memorized. But what it means is his life won't be wasted. It won't be ruined. Whoever trusts in him would never be ruined. They would never be counted a waste. They would never perish. 
but have eternal life. Life that goes on forever as far as quantity. Life that begins immediately, a different kind of life, eternal life. That's quality. And so you have the word monogenes. That's the word, only begotten. If you ask the average Sunday school teacher, deacon, or even pastor, seminary graduate, what does the word monogenes mean? What does the word only begotten mean? You see, you can go through seminary now, and you can take all kinds of courses. You can get a Master of Divinity degree, a 90-hour master's, and not take one course in Greek or Hebrew. It is a shame and a disgrace in my humble opinion. And the reason is you will never know the richness and the color. Why waste that many hours and never learn the language in which the Bible was written in the Old Testament Hebrew and the New Testament Greek? Not even enough to be able to even use the tools or to be able to handle the Greek New Testament or the Hebrew Old Testament. What a shame. Many will learn Greek but never learn Hebrew. What a shame. And so the Bible says that this God, this Logos, this creator became flesh and uh, we could see something of what God is like. We could see the glory of God in this person and this person was the monogenes, the only begotten. That's the word that translates this. And the word mono is the word for one as in only. One as in only, mono. Ganes is spelled G-E-N-E-S. If we took that ending, the S off, and we gave it the soft sound as is in English and not the gamma, the hard sound as in Greek, then it would be G-E-N-E, gene. That's right. The gene as in gene pool, as in DNA. And so who is Jesus? Who is this Logos? Who is this one that has become flesh? Well, he is none other than God's one-of-a-kind son. Well, pastor, what do you mean by one-of-a-kind? I mean there is no one ever who was before or after who has God as his father and an earthly mother. That's right. God as his father and an earthly mother. When Mary was at Nazareth, when Gabriel appeared unto her, he said, the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore, that holy thing which is in you shall be called the son of God. Why? Because God was his father. And so he was all God. But yet he had an earthly mother. So he was all man. You say, well, what about Adam? Adam had a heavenly father, but he did not have an earthly mother. So he was unique in the sense that he was the first man. But Jesus is not only man, he is all God, not half God, half man, not 50% God, 50% man. He is all God and all man, 100% God, 100% man. And often people will say, well, uh, Jesus didn't know this. Jesus, Jesus lived his life as the God-man. And he lived his life in total obedience to God, in total dependence to God, walking as a man without sin. You see, Adam was the first man, and he was placed into a pristine garden, into an environment, a culture that had never known sin. 
And he was created perfect, yet with everything going for him, he deliberately chose to rebel against God. Now look at Jesus. Jesus was born into a world that was sin-cursed. His mother was a sinner. And everything about him in his culture, in his world, in his environment, everyone around him was a sinner, had a sin nature, and had a propensity and an inclination towards sin. But Jesus had God as his father, so he was born without a sin nature. You see, the sin nature is passed on by the man. You say, well, how do you know that? Because the Bible says so. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 says, By one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. Just as in Adam, those who are born in the seed of Adam, in the family of Adam, they are born sinners with a nature that is inclined towards sin. There is a propensity within every son of Adam, the will to sin, the desire to sin. And as soon as they can choose, they will choose to sin every time they have no power not to. But Jesus As the second Adam, God is his father in a world that everything around him begged him to sin. He did not. And he lived in perfect obedience. He did what Adam could not do. And so this is why the Bible says in Christ Jesus, all live. Well, how do you become a part of Adam's race? By human birth. How do you become a part of the family of God and the family of Jesus? By supernatural birth. You're born once by water, through a water birth, a natural birth, uh, a fleshly birth, you are a son of Adam. When you are born from above, when you are born again, when you're born spiritually, you are a part of God's family, of the family of Jesus. And it is a spiritual birth, not a natural birth. So this is why Jesus said to Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is the flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Nicodemus said, can I crawl up into my mother's womb? We're going to deal with this the next podcast. It is fascinating. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, that's not what I'm talking about at all. And I'll explain that in John chapter 3 tomorrow. But I want you to understand that Jesus was the one who came as the monogenes. And that's why in John 3 it says that if we trust in the monogenes, in God's only begotten Son, that we will have life. Why? Because Jesus is the one that is life. Look at what verse 4 says. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Jesus, there is life. In Jesus, there is light. In the world, there is darkness. In the world, there is death. Jesus is life and light. Satan and his followers and the flesh is nothing but darkness and death. It's the exact opposite. So the word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we stared at his glory. The glory as of the one-of-a-kind Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. You say, well, is is that it, that he's one-of-a-kind? No, no, no. He was one-of-a-kind in every way. He was one-of-a-kind in his birth. No one was ever born like he was. No one ever lived like he did. No one ever did what he did. No one ever said what he said. 
No one ever raised the dead like he did. No one ever cast out demons like he did. No one ever walked on the water like he did. No one ever healed the sick like he did. No one ever caused the blind to see like he did. He is unique in every sense of the word. And so something is not very unique, really unique, amazingly unique. There is no adverb or adjective that can go on it that will enhance it. You are either unique or you're not. Unique means one of a kind. So John said, we beheld his glory, the glory as the unique son of God, the unique of the father. And then he goes on to say in verses 15 that John bore witness of him that they received the fullness of him. Now, it says in verse 16 that his fullness we have all received, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, look at verse 18, and then I'll stop for this podcast. This is very important. Don't miss this. No one has seen God at any time. Now, what does that mean? I thought Moses talked to him face to face. I thought Abraham talked to him face to face. No one has seen God at any time that is in his essence. Why? Because you cannot see God unless he manifests himself in some way, either through a theophany, a Christophany, that is a God appearance. This is very important. God is spirit. The Lord Jesus said this in John chapter 4. God is presented in the Bible as a spirit, as a spiritual being. No one can see spirit. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you can't see spirit, just like you can't see the wind. You can see the results of the wind. You can see dust in the wind. You can see smoke in the wind. You can see what the wind does, rustling of the leaves, but you cannot see the wind. No one has seen God at any time. Why? Because he's spirit. But the only begotten, the monogenes, the one who became flesh, who is in the bosom, is in the center of the Father. He has declared him. Now, the word declare is the Greek word exegete. It means to explain. You see, often people will say to me, Pastor, if I could just see God, what is God like? God is like Jesus. The Apostle Paul said, in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead in body, bodily. If you want to know what God would do, look what Jesus would do. If you want to know how God would act, look how Jesus acted. If you want to know how God would talk, look how Jesus talked. If you want to look how God looks healing, walking on water, being put on a cross, rising from the dead, look at Jesus. He is God walking. He's God talking. There is no other. Jesus is the Son of God. Receive him today, and you shall be called a child of God. You can do it right now. Give your life to him. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. If you've already done that, recommit to him right now and say, Lord God, I want the rest of my days to count every hour, every moment, every second. It's yours. For on the way, this is Tony Chris. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.